Modern doctrine on the scope of patentable inventions dates back to the early 1970s, well before the introduction of the personal computer, the internet, and mobile phones. In recent years, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, practitioners, and courts have struggled with how to apply precedent-setting cases in today's world. With cases piling up at the federal circuit level, many observers believe it's time for the Supreme Court to weigh in on the matter of what constitutes a patentable invention. With us today to shed some light on this topic is Erica Arner, an attorney with Finnegan, Henderson, Farabo, Garrett, and Dunner. Arner's practice includes patent prosecution management, client counseling, and litigation, with an emphasis on electronic technology, computer software, and the Internet. Erica is a frequent author and lecturer on business method patents. And Erica, pleasure to have you here today. Thanks. Nice to be here. Let's uh, first start off with a, a quick explanation of the current Supreme Court doctrine on what kinds of inventions can be patented, at least as outlined by Section 101. Sure. Well, Section 101, which is the Patent Act, lays out four categories of inventions that can be patented. And three of them are fairly straightforward. There are articles of manufacture, which is any, anything made from raw materials, uh, compositions of matter, which is chemical compounds, for example, uh, machines, very, very straightforward category. And then the last category is processes. And that really, the process category is the one that, at least in recent years, has become a little bit tricky to define. The Supreme Court has considered all of the categories, and, and in particular about processes, they've focused on processes that cause a physical transformation, that change an article to a different state. And the, one of the main cases on that is diamond versus deer. And, and in that case, the Supreme Court considered what a patentable process is, and the example that they used there, the, the subject matter of that case was a, a process that was basically a set of steps that resulted in rubber being cured to a certain temperature in, in, a, in a rubber mold. And that rubber being transformed was what the Supreme Court said made the process a patentable one. But since then, the uh, courts have really struggled with applying that process category to other types of technology. But as far as the Supreme Court is concerned, what they've said so far is if there's a physical transformation, then the process is, is patentable. Now, is it true that the Supreme Court has not really ruled or commented on this kind of material in the last number of years? No, it's been quite a while. The Diamond versus Deer case was the last time the, the Supreme Court looked at patentable subject matter, the scope of Section 101, and that was in 1980. So it's been many uh, decades since they took up the matter. Erica, can you explain what a business method patent is? Sure. A business method patent is typically a patent on a process or method, which is basically a series of steps. And the reason it's called a business method is traditionally they're used to protect a series of steps for performing a business function. For example, a Steps used to uh, manage a checking account over the Internet, for example, would be the bank carrying on its business, and they might protect their novel way of managing your account by claiming it as a method or process or a series of steps. Now, the current benchmark on this kind of thing, why is it so difficult to apply to today's inventions and technologies? Well, it's difficult because, as we said, the, the Supreme Court last spoke about the process category of patents in 1980. And just before that, there were two other Supreme Court cases on process claims. And the three cases that came in the late 70s and then in 1980 were really so long ago that technology and innovation has really changed. The Supreme Court seemed almost uncomfortable, certainly unfamiliar with computer technology. Certainly, they were not familiar with the internet. It didn't even exist. And so there have been so many 
so much of the innovation that's happened in the last 28 years or 30 years is internet-based, is information-based. The, the economy has really shifted from one based on manufacturing to one based on information. And the cases trying to apply a law that was developed under very different times it has become very difficult because these are things, these internet-based inventions and business methods, the way that whole large companies have built up their technology based on how to help you make your business run better or cheaper or faster. All of those things weren't even really considered when the Supreme Court last decided the cases in this area on process claims. So it's really tough to take those old cases based on manufacturing processes and apply them to processes for administering your checking account over the internet. Have you seen any indication from the Supreme Court that they might be inclined to take on a Section 101 case soon? You know, I think so. Um, I think there are several things that make it likely that the Supreme Court will. One in particular is the LabCorp case, which they did take up uh, in 2006. And the court granted cert and heard oral arguments. And even in their grant of cert in that case, they added a question to be briefed by the parties about patentable subject matter, about the scope of Section 101. So they were clearly interested in that topic. The case got through oral arguments, and because of some procedural issues, the Supreme Court decided not to render a decision. But they obviously were interested in it, and they raised the issue very explicitly in that LabCorp case. More recently, there have been a couple of other opinions from the Supreme Court on patent issues, not specifically on statutory subject matter, but on patent issues, where either by concurrence or dissent, Supreme Court justices have gone out of their way to mention business method patents in particular and express some concerns over the state of the law on business method patents, even going so far as to mention one of the federal circuit's cases on business methods and to call it into question. So the Supreme Court has taken several acts, these things that they've done in the last few years, that really make it look like at least some of the justices are very interested in, in this topic and concerned about it. In your uh, Legal Times article recently, you mentioned the court may consider the Bilski case. What makes Bilski so important? Perhaps timing more than anything else. Because I think the Supreme Court is anxious to take up this topic, I think that Bilski is the next most likely one to come its way. It's the farthest along the path to the Supreme Court in that a decision is expected from the federal circuit any day now. And depending how that comes down, an appeal in Bilski could happen fairly quickly. Another reason I think that Bilski is important is because the federal circuit, which is the patent court right below the Supreme Court, has signaled its importance. After the Federal Circuit considered the case and held oral arguments, but before they rendered a decision, the judges all voted and decided that it was such an important case that they would hear another hearing. But this time, instead of a panel of three judges, they would have all 12 of the sitting judges of the Federal Circuit hear the oral arguments. And that is a very, very rare situation. And so that is something that the Federal Circuit can use to signal to the public, but also to the Supreme Court, this is an important case, this is an important issue. Well, Eric, if the court doesn't pick up on the lead and doesn't take on a Section 101 case such as Bilski, where does that leave business method patents? Well, I think business method patents will continue to exist. I think what will change is perhaps the form of the protection how patent attorneys draft the patent applications for business methods. I think we'll be left with the current body of cases from the federal circuit, which is the court, the patent court right below the, the Supreme Court. And their cases are a bit restrictive in that they require a business method or any method 
to be tied to some type of machine. So a business method will have to be implemented using a computer, for example. It's not enough to claim a business method that could be carried out using pencil and paper or between two people or two companies. So I think the way that people claim business methods will have to change based on the existing rules from the federal circuit, but I think business method patents will be around for a long time. They're, just their form may change. Where do you think things are going to go from here? Well, I think that the Supreme Court will take up a 101 case in the next few years. If not the Bilski case, there are several others working their way through the process, and I think that the Supreme Court has signaled that they are ready for a business method case. And I hope that that the Supreme Court will follow some of the guidance that the judges on the federal circuit have given them and really move the focus from Section 101, which is a threshold issue of what types of inventions are even considered, and really shift the focus to the substantive sections of the Patent Act where an invention has to be novel, it has to be new, it has to be not obvious over something that's been done before. I think the questionable business method patents and much of the outcry about them could really be handled by a careful application of the other sections of the Patent Act, which are much easier to apply. Erica, thanks so much for the insight. Much appreciated. Sure, thank you. Our guest has been attorney Erica Arner of Finnegan. If you'd like more information on this or related topics, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.